This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It is Thursday, it's the 15th of February 2024. The big question today is, did we survive Valentine's Day? And we've updates on Envision glasses. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. <laughs> now, here's your hosts, <laughs> Stephen Scott and Sean Breeze. Yeah, and amongst all the talk about Valentine's Day and, you know, cheese, we'll uh, get some tech on, yeah. Um, thank goodness we've got uh, Karthik Karnan joining us a bit later to bring us back on track. Uh, he is here to tell us all about the latest updates to Envision. Some interesting stuff happening this year. Sean, and uh, he is going to give us all the deets. That's what the kids say. The deets. Oh, well today. done. That makes us all cool. We are the cool show, apparently. Very good. Yeah, I'm really interested in these glasses. You've got them, of course. I do. I do. And what's interesting to me, and I'll bring this up with Karthik, is every time I get an update, I expect them to get worse in terms of performance. Oh, Because well these are... Well, I do, because this is old hardware, right? And then I don't get a bad experience. I get a better experience, and I don't know how that is possible. So I have a lot of questions for Karthik, and, of course, one of the key questions is, you know, what is going on in terms of hardware? You know, we're dealing with very old hardware here. It's going to run out at some point. I mean, Google Glass is discontinued, so what's next? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to put the hard questions, the hard questions to... Uh, I'm going to do it like that as well. I'm yeah. going to do a lot of questions In a funny uh, voice. to Karthik Khan. Yeah, exactly. He'll you're so absolutely Mr. Radio. love it. <laughs> no, but it's a, it's a valid question, right? Because you're absolutely right. Mm. Now, you say, you keep saying the Google Glass is old hardware, and you, you, you're right. You're kind of right. But there's nothing else out there like it, as far as I know. This, this computer in yeah. glasses, this is what the, the makes these stand out from anything else. Everything else has you know speakers or microphones or even sometimes a camera built in that are purely connected to your smartphone. When it comes to the Google Glass, it's a computer you're wearing on your face. And I don't think there's anything else that you can run software on in the glasses. Well, there is one. Mm-hmm. Which everybody seems to want to talk about right now. Oh, yes. Called uh, Vision Pro, but it's not quite. That's a headset. It's different. Yeah, and we, we, this is this is kind of my question. I think well, we're going to talk about this soon on on the YouTube channel because, you know, the great thing with the YouTube channel, by the way, we have a YouTube channel, uh, just so you know, uh, every so often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, you know, rem- 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 let people know about it. And like, yeah, okay. we've got a YouTube channel. It's YouTube. on the internet. Have let's, you heard of it? It's, it's the next YouTube. big thing. YouTube. Just keep saying. Well, that's what it is. Double tap on YouTube. And if you're searching for it, it's Double Tap Video. I don't know who came up with this stuff, but that is what it is. It is Double Tap Video. And actually, you can find it with the following uh, website address. www.youtube.com forward slash at. Don't know why you need the at, but you need the at, and then it's Double Tap Video. And that takes you right to our channel. Oh, at, as in the at sign, the at symbol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, very good. Not the letters. No. No, okay. At you type them, video. you will get nowhere. Or you'll get a different video entirely. And I don't know what you'll get, but <laughs> let us know. But yeah, um, sorry. What are we talking about on YouTube? What are we talking about? Oh yeah. So <laughs> Vision Pro. I'm I'm kind of wondering like what's the point of it for us? I mean for blind people, right? I think there's a conversation to be had around this. But we're not gonna have it here. You've got to go to YouTube. You YouTube. see, that's how we do this. We we tease you here oh. and then you go over there. Or you can listen here because it's on the podcast as well. On a Sunday. And on AMI Audio, you can get it anywhere. It's great. Or on the website, www.doubletaponair.com. Oh, yeah. I keep forgetting about that. Um, 
It's very good. Um, lots of interesting stuff on there, including our interview today with Karthik Carney. You can check it out later. But uh, yeah, um, look, shall we get into these? Because there's honestly, there's so many. I'm not singing. But you want to, that's the thing. Binky bonky, binky bonky, binky bonky, binky bonky. I think that's the best jingle we've ever had. That's the only jingle we've ever had. No, we've had other jingles in the past. They just haven't lasted. What do you mean by last? Sorry, I'm eating a mint at the same time. You what do you mean are, by um, lasted? This is, I mean, what a shambles. We're meant to be professionals. And there you are, I dead air while you eat a mint. I am so sorry, Mr. F. Let's get to the uh, emails. Listen, just be very clear on this. No, no, just be very clear on this. No one said yes. we were professional. Uh, well, no one has we, said we that. Are, we are the glue <laughs> that holds AMI audio together. Oh. You know, the serious, intelligent programming from Juita Gupta, from Dave Brown, from, yes. you know, all the team. Yes. Uh, we are the people who sit in the middle. We're the ones who, we're like the... Um, Where is this going? <laughs> I'm trying to think of a, a suitable analogy. Please bail out right now. Let's get to the emails, please. Oh, Darren uh, gets in touch with us. Um you might remember Darren uh, from Kent. He got in touch with us regarding the um, the Orbit Speak and the BT Speak and BT Speak Pro, which is due out this year. Mm. And um, he was quite excited, in particular, about the BT Speak. And I was wondering why. Why is he so interested in this? Well, here's his response. Hello, this is Darren from Bexley in Kent. You are asking why would I need a either an Orbit Speak or a BT speak braille in speech output device yes that's an interesting question that is um, you're right the mobile phones and everything else can do most of what these devices can do um, part of it is nostalgia I like the form factor of these braille in speech output devices because they're so small the reason I think is really is to have a separate device from the phone that I can braille into if necessary for the note-taking aspect of it. And you can't really do note-taking on a keyboarded phone with speed. It's just impossible. Yes, you can use voice dictation, but it's not always completely accurate at the moment. So using braille in is the most accurate way of doing things. Another reason I want I'm interested in the Orbit Speak or the BT Speak is the, I know the Orbit Speak is going to have Wi-Fi connectivity, which the Orbit Reader does not have, and I suspect the BT Speak will have. Um, yes, the Orbit Reader is a great device, um, but it's the Wi-Fi connectivity that would allow you to do so much more and get additional software updates and even use it to play music, listen to radio, and get books, etc., etc. Yes, you can do that on the phone, but I think it's always nice to have something separate from the phone, just in case you need to use the phone for other things, and you'll be able to get a lot more information on a, a dedicated Braille and speech output device than you can with a phone, and it's easier to manage and search for things. And I suppose it's nostalgic... Uh, um, thing as well, and also Darren wants a new toy. <laughs> There's the possibility I might not get either of them. Ideally, I would like to have a braille display as well, but because I'm not working, uh, price is too prohibitive for that. 
And uh, so as things stand at the moment, it's going to be bred in speech output if I go for one of these devices at all. What I find interesting is the fact that we've waited for years and we've had none of these devices at all, and now we've got two. Mm. So I'm questioning why they suddenly decided to do it now. But this is interesting. I'll wait and see what happens. I hope that answers your question. This is Darren saying bye for now, and thank you. Bye. Thank you, Darren. Um, that was a very detailed answer, and it helps us actually, I think, understand the difference between the two as well, because you're right. I mean, all of a sudden, two devices show up. What are the differences between them? And what are the benefits of one over the other? I think your question about why both have come along all of a sudden might be to do with the first one, the Orbit, because I think a lot of this is to do with Orbit getting into the world of what we might call more affordable Braille displays. And I think that has kick-started an interest in this area. Um, I mean, so some companies as well, like Hable, I think, have kick-started interest in all of this as well. You know, companies with an idea. I mean, it's all, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like little pockets of innovation all around the world are kind of coming together on this. Um, it, it, or at least it appears that way to us, but they, they're actually all working independently, right? So, you know, the BT Speak is coming from Blazy Technology yeah. and um, Orbit Speak coming from Orbit Research. These are different companies. Um, you know, Hable came out of, a, as we know, we, we've heard the story behind Hable and how it came to be uh, kind of just one man's vision almost. And I think that's really interesting how these products come to life. But they're coming to life because there's a need and there's a growing desire for people to, to use technology for Braille. Although, interestingly, this does feel more like a nostalgia product for many people because everybody who hears about it, anybody who talks about it, immediately says the same thing. Oh, the old Braille and Speaks back. Yes, they do. Absolutely right. It, it is difficult, though, trying to... I mean, firstly, why do you need to justify anything? Uh, just because Darren wants a new toy is more than enough No, no, for but me. We, we did ask. We did ask the question, yeah, I, I so know, that's I know. why. But why, I mean, again, why are we even asking that? Just because Darren wants it. But I think that is an interesting question. Why, why now? Why, is it down to technology? Was it simply impossible before? To this degree, well, not really, because it was it was available when I was at school in the nineties. We had the yeah, we had the brown speak. So what's what is the difference of why now? I think that's a really interesting question. I honestly don't know. Is it? I, I think yeah, well, of the possibly success of another one, like, as we keep saying, the Hable. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit like the Sense Player and the Victor Reader. You know, a lot of these devices are starting to pop up now. Look, I'm all for this. You know, and it's funny because I see some commentary. Where it's like, and, and I get it, you know, everyone has a, view, a different view on this, and not everyone's going to have the same view, but I do, I do find that it's interesting that there are so many different um, devices coming out, and yet a lot of people now are starting to say what I used to say, which is, hang on, have you not got a smartphone? Can't you, can't you just do all that on your smartphone? Yeah. And it's funny, those people who are, used to be the ones who were kind of more pro-specialist are becoming more pro-mainstream, and I'm... I came from the pro-mainstream world to pro-specialist. I find it interesting how we're kind of crossing paths on this. I don't know why that is. No, I, I, that, I do think something's happened to the perception of specialist tech. And I don't know why. That, maybe you're right. Maybe it's come down to the work that Orbit and other companies have done in making Braille displays more uh, affordable at the start. Maybe that's the key point here. But there does seem to be something going on in the assistive tech world that makes this hardware actually seem um, less, I don't know, old-fashioned, less 
uh, inaccessible almost because of the price. Um, it does seem to be a shift. But I'm, I'm still, I'll be honest with you, I'm still at that point of, I, why wouldn't I just pick up a second smartphone as a separate mm. device? Because of the price points, you know, uh, iPhone SE for a few hundred dollars or whatever else for a separate device, which isn't just, isn't just for one thing or a limited number of things. You can do pretty much anything with. But then, Isn't it great that the choice is now available? So, I mean, all these different input methods, like Braille input with speech out, or Braille input with Braille out, or just Braille input. You've got all these options now. And, you know, I'm sitting here with this Mantis Q40, part of the Q40 Club. The Q40 Club! There's a jingle. Um, okay. There you go. You can have that for free. Uh, but, I'm, you know, what's cool about this is, you know, I can link this to all my devices. In fact, I'm almost kind of on a bit of a Bluetooth attachment spree at the moment because I've got those five slots available to connect things to. And I'm like, what else can I connect it to? to fill I'm, even, up, I'm, even, I'm even connecting the Google Pixel 8 to it. I'm like, come on. But you know what I learned? Now, I, I got a message from a friend the other day saying, hey, if you're going to connect it to the Google uh, Pixel phone, just be aware if it's over Bluetooth, you won't get any um, readout from it. It doesn't give you anything on the display. Is that right? That can't be right, surely. Hang on, so say that again. You won't get any, what, Braille? You don't get any Braille. No, no Braille output. Just you can use it as a keyboard, but you can't. No, Is this to do with this, this no. protocol issue that's been going on with Google for a while? Because I know the there's hit. been this the hmm. HID protocol. So does that, does, does, will it work over USB, I guess, but maybe not over Bluetooth? If that's right, I'm joining the campaign against whatever it is I'm against. Yes. <laughs> Down with this sort of thing, whatever it I'm may against be. it, whatever it is. And if it's fixed, I'm for it. Well, if you connect via the Bluetooth settings on a smartphone, then it just sees it as a keyboard, I'm guessing, right? Because you need to set it as a Braille display in the screen reader or in the Braille back or whatever it is on Android. I actually don't know. Yeah. So it would... <laughs> this is shocking, isn't it? We must get to grips with this. But on the iPhone... You connect it via voiceover. So you go through voiceover into Braille settings. Yeah, of course, through the screen And reader. that's where you add it. Yeah. You, you don't do it through... I think you can connect it via Bluetooth, but I don't think it works the same. Well, we'll just it see it as a keyboard. It connects as a keyboard. Yeah. Because yeah. it's not outputting any display as it is in, in the form of And is Braille. that unique to the Mantis, or is that a problem overall? Is, is this the issue that we keep hearing about? Is this one of these, is this one of these times where it's like <laughs> I hear about a problem... And I go, yeah, that sounds really bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then suddenly it happens to me and I go, this is a real problem. Yes. Is that one of those moments? Yes. Like the Siri and the follow-up mode. Yeah, exactly. I, That's right. <laughs> where you rang me and said, this thing's not working. Yeah, that thing I've been saying on the show about how to fix it, turn on type to Siri. And, uh, I was eating something at the time. Uh, Who was, yeah. Who's listening? <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but no, you're right. I think, I think there's something in that. Anyway, thank you, Dan. Uh, great conversation starter, I think. Um, I'm intrigued to know people's thoughts on these devices, you know, what, what you think the popularity of them will be. And it's not, I think that choice is key here. You know, this is what I love about this. I also would say, and then we'll move on to more emails, I promise. But I will say one more thing on this. I think that these tech companies, these specialist tech companies like Humanware and, and like Envision, although I think Envision are maybe a bit better at this, They've got to appeal, I think, to the middle ground a little bit. And what I mean by that is middle age, or mid, not middle age, but younger <laughs> right. people, not not of middle age. I think actually there's too much aimed at middle age and well, older. Middle aged is younger kids. people for us. Yes. You know, but, but what I mean is, like, you know, your teens, your 20s, your 30s, those age groups, I don't ever see those people represented in any of the marketing. I always see older people or I see children always in the marketing for these products. And I think, what about, the, what about the kids in the middle? What do they not use this stuff? 
And wouldn't they want to use this stuff? So why are we not marketing? We make it basically what I'm saying is make it cooler. Make it cooler to the kids. You know, it's interesting. You've always said to me, that. and I've felt it as well, this old dusty feeling around Braille and tech. Yes. I think that's going away a little bit. Yeah. But maybe it's going away because we're becoming old and dusty. Um <laughs> I can't argue against that point. Um <laughs> But look, the thing is, can you ever make oh, this is um it's an interesting one. Can disability ever be cool? Can you ever say It's not about the disability, it's about the tech. Yeah, I know, but if, if by using by saying, hey, don't use that Android smartphone, don't use that iPhone, use this uh, blind no, shell. No, 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 you're no. missing the point. No, 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 of course, no, no. Of course because... everyone's using the Android phone or the, or the iPhone. Of course they are. But yes. I'm saying why not use it with a device like the Hable or the BT Speak? You know, sell it to those markets as well. Sell it that way. Make it cool. Yes, because the thing is that if we're talking to younger people, trying just in our case, I mean, how many times have we had to accept that we need to use something. And doing that is difficult. Can marketing ever make that cool? Or is it just something that people need to come to terms with that I need to use assistive tech? Oh, I mean, we talk all the time, and rightly so, about representation in media. And I think representation in marketing is just as important. And especially for us as blind people. I remember when Ambutech, out of Canada, did the uh, campaign for the new canes. And it was new canes they had brought out, which had the coloured handles. You know, they had the blue and the pink and the yellow and whatever it was. Mm. You could buy all these different coloured canes. Not the, not the cane itself, but the, the handle and the, the ball, I think, were different colours. And you could order them. And all the marketing was teens, 20s, um, really lively, you know, representation of their products. Their videos were full of young people going about life. And I thought... That's the first time I've ever seen anybody of that age in marketing. And I thought, that's the way to do it. Oh, yeah, no, why, I agree. Why you, I'm, not, I'm not being ageist about this. I, I think it's the opposite of ageism, actually. I'm, I'm, there's so many, so much marketing to older people and to children. But there's nothing in the middle. Yeah. And these companies are missing a trick. Because if you want to, you know, look, I come from a radio background, right? Our trick was... Make sure at night time you have a really good show so that people will stay with you through till the morning. And then you need really great morning programming so they'll keep you right through all the way through till the night time. You know, you never had a situation where you'd say, well, let's really make a great morning program and really garbage programming in the middle so they'll all turn off and hope they come back at night. That's not really how to do it. So apply that logic to age. You kind of need to get the whole picture. You know, everyone should be there using it. You know, we should have... Someone who's older, someone who's a, ch a child, and someone in the middle ground in terms of the ages of maybe 10 or, or 20 or well, 30. Disability well. isn't restricted to specific ages, right? That's no, but, but, but a lot of people think it is. And that's a societal thing as well, right? Society has a view of it, about uh, disability, which is, and <laughs> without getting too deep into this, you know, there's a, I hear this phrase or this word used a lot, and it is so on the money infantilization. Of disability. I don't know if you've ever got into this whole thing or this discussion, but it's a very interesting area. For elephants. Where, what? Sorry, I don't understand it. Carry on. Infantilization. Basically, you know, if someone treats you like a child. Oh, yes. You know what I mean by that? So people treat you like a child. They see you as a child. We've talked about this. I, I think there's a part of it built into us. Like we've talked before about the, uh, you know, that like you and I can't go out and buy a car. But all the neighbours around us who are of our age, 
you know, maybe buying a new car, getting into that. Maybe the kids are getting into buying cars at this age. And you're kind of feeling a bit left out of it. And it's almost a childlike feeling. You know, you still have to be taken somewhere. Someone has to come and get you and yeah, pick it's all you down up to and take you places. Right? The more independent yeah, is, but, you are, but the I more think adult life. That's, that infantilization is also something that people do to us. I saw a great video once of a, of a guy, a kind of middle-aged guy, young guy. I don't know what age he was. I, I keep saying middle-aged. I don't know what that means. What, what, the, the guy was an age where you look at him and you go, ah, he's an age. And um, well he, he, he absolutely had an age, put it that way. And uh, he had Down syndrome. And he comes out of a shop and someone says to him, and it's, a, it's like a setup video thing, right? But it was to make a point. And he says to the guy, or this guy says to him, you know, um, well done. Well done, you. And he says, well done for what? Oh, you bought that bag of chips. Well done. Good for you. You're an inspiration. And the guy tells him to F off. <laughs> and he goes, you can't say that. And he says, why? Well, you can't say that. And the guy couldn't understand. He couldn't articulate why the guy couldn't say that, but he was convinced that he couldn't say that. Mm. Why? Well, because he was being infantilized. It was like he's a kid. Yeah. And, you know, I think this is the problem. And I don't know where we're going with this, but it's... You know. I know. Wow, that email sparked a one Thank you, Dan. You've, conversation. You've got, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we don't have enough time on this show. Can I just say that? Is anyone listening? Mr. Is anyone listening? Um, okay, let's... We could, I mean, we've only got five hours a week and umpteen shots on YouTube. Yes, yes, a you know, website. But, yeah, yeah a website. But, you know, we've just never enough time. Anyway, shall we move on? Camille yes. answers your email. <laughs> I feel the edit's coming. I feel today's the day we're editing. Um... <laughs> <laughs> this is the bit that Sean just cuts all this rubbish this out. This was a four-hour answer. Now, now here's an email from Camille. Uh, this one answers your question to him about uh, CD ripping. Listening to my ripped music on my iPhone. Since Sean asked, this is how I go about this. All of my CDs have been ripped and copied onto my NAS, Network Attached Storage. Synology has an app that I installed onto my iPhone that I use to access my music. Happy tapping, Camille. Mm. Oh, you do with a bit more detail, but yeah, that's that's interesting. It's a little bit nerdier than I thought it was gonna be, and I'm happy oh. about that, Camille. I'm not. Oh, ha- no, 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 no. That's a good thing. Synology. Uh, I I took quite a lot of time researching these at one point because I thought this was the answer to everything. Basically, a hard drive, a stack of hard drives at your yeah. house, which you could access from <laughs> anywhere. But uh, again, I, I find that streaming sort of. Yeah, I didn't really want to invest because it's quite expensive, these Synology drives, depending mm. on the size you want, obviously. But um, yeah, that they, apparently they work very well. I'm always interested in the accessibility of the interface to the Synology NAS drives. Um, sorry, we are getting a little bit nerdy. We should say network attached storage is NAS drives. So, so basically, basically it's a big box you plug or you put a lot of hard drives in and they kind of, I mean, I say they figure it out themselves. You can obviously customise the software <laughs> to say, how you want them to back up. But the good thing with those is you can increase the drive size or even just add drives as you go. So you, you might not spend as much initially. Maybe put, you know, you can get like eight bay drives. You get 36 bay boxes, right? You can put as many as you want in there. But you know, like I, I think a standard one for the home is usually four bays maximum. Um, and then you could put like a, a couple, I don't know, maybe two ter- 10 terabyte hard drives in there. And yeah. then those will essentially mirror each other. But then if you were to add another two 10 terabyte hard drives, you could either take more space or you can say, I'll just increase it to 20 terabytes and back it up over two new drives. Yeah. And then it means that basically your data is being saved across a number of drives. And 
if something fails, because I've been here. I, I, I did the whole thing where I had like two or three drives on the desk. None of them backed up, just yes. sitting there with all my data. And then one day you'd come in and it was gone. The drive was broken. Yeah. And you think, oh, God, all that work I've done and it's gone. So, yeah, these are good for, for making sure you don't lose big, your stuff. But the big point, apart from storage, is the network attached thing. These will show up as a hard drive on all your computers on your home network, but also you can access it from outside the home through the internet. This is yeah, a hard right. drive which is available over the internet, basically. Um, very cool. Yeah, thank you so much for letting me know. I'm interested in that. Or alternatively, do we just use something like Dropbox? I mean, pay per month. Again, you're paying per month, but... Mm-hmm. You know, you pay $20 a month for, you know, a couple of terabytes of space. You know, you don't have to keep all of that on your computer, so you don't need to have another drive. You're essentially funneling your data. Uh, you know, because the thing, this is always the challenge with things like Dropbox, right? So you've got a terabyte of data, but you've got a hard drive that's 512 gig or 256 gig SSD. How do you get all that data up there? And the answer is you've got to do it in increments. Yeah. Um, you you got to do it bit by bit. So put some on, upload it, put some on, upload it, make sure you're always offline with your content. But it does mean that all that stuff can be up there and safe out of the way. It's true. Um, so that's another way to do it. So if you, if you don't want to put out the big outlay, some of these online services can be quite useful. Dropbox is very good. I mean, we, we live, we, we couldn't function without Dropbox. Absolutely. I don't think. Yeah. And, and the app on the iPhone, very accessible and on Android. Mm hmm. Uh, on the desktop. iCloud, iFile, uh, files, OneDrive. I, I hear mixed reviews about OneDrive. I mean, I've yeah, never had a problem with it. But I can't quite figure iDrive. Uh, sorry, iDrive and OneDrive out. Mm. Um, <gasps> Did you see the other day? There was a story. This is the weirdest story. <gasps> so there's a story about iWork is apparently being uh, trademarked or whatever by Apple. I thought they owned that name because they had iWork years ago, right? I remember when it, I, there was Pages and there was Numbers and there was all these other apps, but they were yeah. all under the one brand. When Clarisworks disappeared and Apple pretty much just brought everything out as one, it was called iWork. I remember buying the CDs. I probably still got one or two lying around. So, you know, I don't know if Apple are aware, but I think they own the name. They seem to have spent a lot of money buying it again. They want it back, even though they own it. Yeah, okay. Or maybe the, maybe it lapsed or something, I don't know. But there's talk of it coming back as name. But I thought, oh, iWork's coming back. I'm so excited. Nostalgia again. Mm. Beautiful. That's it, exactly. Purely for nostalgia. Yeah. Back to, uh, back to Dan's point. Word star. Yeah, we want them all. <sighs> now you're talking. Uh, Biggles has been in touch. He wants to correct us on something. And he also wants to uh, talk a little bit about the Better Health app that Lena reviewed. Uh, hi, Biggles here. A couple of quick things. Uh, fat. Uh, doesn't mean what you think it means in Canada. It has a slightly different meaning. Uh, maybe you could look it up. Uh, as to better health, uh, you have to be comfortable with them. Apparently, they have uh, privacy issues, and uh, you have to be comfortable uh, allowing yourself to be recorded. And there's been some questions as to what they do with the recordings, whether they're kept or whether they're secure. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Biggles. Um, what what was it we said wrong? I, I'm not I'm quite sure. I'm I'm sort of tense to bring it up again in case, as Biggles was sort of hinting at, that it was something terrible. If it's so, what I think he said, I don't think we ever said that, but I, I, I could be wrong. Maybe we did. Let's just let's yeah, just move on. Yeah, let's skip um, over that. Yeah, you, you yeah. T- I think uh, it started with um, F, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, maybe that's the problem. Are we blinking the two? I don't oh, know. Yes. Anyway. Definitely, definitely needs an edit this show today. Um, oh, you're not kidding. Is it called or any day? Wasn't it called Better Help? Sorry, the the are we talking about the Lena 
Um, demo. Oh, what did I say? Better Health. Did I better say Better health. health? I thought it was called Better Help. But I, I think, think you're right. Yeah, it was. So this yeah. is the yeah. app that gives you access to um, psychologists and psychiatrists, I'm assuming, mm. or someone to help you with mental health. Um, absolutely. Now, I don't know about this. The only thing I know about this is from what I've heard from Lena, and there's been quite a heavy marketing thing I've seen all over the place since Lena's demo there. But this is an accessible app that gives you, uh, puts you in contact with someone that may help you. Of course, there's going to be privacy um, worries over that. I wouldn't expect a session with someone I'm talking to about my problems to be recorded at all. No matter mm. what the T and Cs may say about what they're going to do with that recording, I would absolutely refuse to have a session recorded in that way. So, I, I yes, I would have concerns over that. I haven't heard about the privacy concerns or maybe some sort of I don't know, are you saying there's been some sort of breach or misuse of those recordings? I don't know about those, but absolutely I would ask questions and I would not be recorded myself in a session like that. Yeah, always check the T's and C's, always ask questions before something like that, because of course you're dealing with a very personal issue or issues, right? So you gotta you gotta check the details with all of that. And how can you that, open but, up uh, to and, and and you know tell people what's bothering you or what your issues mm. are if you're feeling you're being recorded? I don't think that would work. Yeah, well, uh, you know, Lena certainly brought the app to us. Maybe you've got a response to that, Lena. You can tell us your thoughts. Uh, right, look, stick around because Karthik Karnan is here next from Envision to give us an update on uh, the very latest from the company this year. Follow Double Tap on social media at Double Tap On Air and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and email us feedback at doubletaponair.com. We'll be right back. Call the Double Tappers now, 1-877-803-4567, or email us, feedback at doubletaponair.com. Okay, let's talk Envision. I've got uh, Karthik Karnan with us, uh, back on the show once again, returning champion here on Double Tap to tell us all about the latest happenings at Envision. Good to have you back with us, Karthik. Pleasure to be here with you today, Stephen. Hey, listen, it is great to have you here. I'm so glad to have you back on the show. It's been ages since we've spoken, and so much has happened at Envision in that time. And, you know, it's fair to say, you know, when I hear companies talk about AI, I think these days especially, we're all kind of yawning a little bit. It's like, oh, another thing. <laughs> oh, a fridge with AI. How wonderful. But, you know, you're really, you really have some depth and meaning when you talk about AI at Envision. Tell us about the updates and tell us what's been going on uh, recently. Yeah, sure. I think, you know, um, as you know, we've been working on AI for accessibility for the last seven years uh, before, you know, AI became a thing, you know, uh, as it is today. And, and everyone's talking about AI. And like you said, every fridge has an AI on it or claims to have AI on it. We've been, you know, uh, I w I, I'm proud to say we're the OG folks in this game uh, for over seven years now. Um, and I and definitely over the last like 18 months, things have changed a lot. Um, so, you know, we have been focusing on making uh, Envision itself or, or rather changing how Envision is used on both the app and the glasses uh, with this huge new tools that have been coming out uh, over the last 18 months. So like, for example, ChatGPT has been one of the tools that's really changed the game in so many ways. And we've been incorporating all those in the app and the glasses. Um, specifically speaking, uh, when, you know, this March of 2023, uh, we launched the Envision, uh, the Ask Envision feature where people could go ahead and take a picture of a document they just scanned and then ask questions of it directly on the glasses. And 
as of today, it is the most used feature on the Envision glasses. So uh, I could go ahead and, uh, you know, take a picture of a menu and ask, okay, tell me all the vegetarian starters on the menu, right? I could take a picture of, uh, uh, you know, a document in a foreign language and ask it to translate that for me. Um, and all of those things are have been possible on the glasses for the past year. And uh, also for the past year, you know, we've been working on bringing Ask Envision to images as well, right? So now you can take a picture of anything, not just documents or text. Uh, you could take a picture of a scene outside and, you know, Ask Envision to describe it for you and ask questions of the scene you just can. You could be standing uh, at a very busy, you know, intersection uh, on the road and take a picture and ask Envision to tell you, hey, uh, you know, what's in front of me? Is it safe for me to walk? Or if you take a picture of a bus, you can ask it questions like, where is this going? And the glasses will be able to answer that for you. And that's been one thing that we've done. And we've launched the Ask Envision feature on the app as well. I think that's the big update that, uh, you know, I want to talk about. Because uh, with the Ask Envision feature on the app, people can now import any document they want of any size of any language, be it handwritten or printed, and just ask questions of it. So a student in a college or a school, uh, he or she could just import their textbook and into the Envision app today and be like, hey, can you go ahead and, uh, you know, give me a summary of the first chapter? Or you could ask it specific questions about concepts in the textbook. Or, you know, if you're trying to scan a utility bill, for example, you could scan it with the Envision app today and say, hey, tell me what's the total amount I need to pay, right? So this is a feature that we just launched the last week and uh, already we've got, you know, tens of thousands of people using it on both iOS and Android. And like I said, it's something that people can do with any document under the sun, a book, a novel, uh, you know, uh, even a spreadsheet for that matter. So that's the that's the big update that we have on the app now. And from a user perspective, I think that's really important because one thing we like as blind people is consistency. So yep. the ability to get into an app, we know it's accessible and we can easily get information into it and then query that information and get that information back accessibly. That is really uh, crucial, I think, in, in doing this and making sure it works uh, across the board. Uh, you know, one thing that, that a lot of people talk about when we talk about Envision a lot of people nowadays talk about the Envision glasses. Now, you're not a hardware company, right? That's not what yeah. you are. But you are employing hardware to deliver this um, this uh, this fantastic software that you're building. Mm. The question is, for many of us, mm. Google Glass is finished as a product. So yeah. what happens next with Envision and hardware? Because many of us are wanting to invest, perhaps, in Envision, but are nervous about doing it at the moment with the current Google Glass hardware that you're selling. Correct. Um, so this is something that, you know, we've we've kind of worked through a lot with Google uh, over the past year, right? Um, we have enough stock to meet the current and future demand for the Envision glasses. That's one thing. Second thing is that we will definitely support the Envision glasses with new features, new updates. Uh, you know, we've been doing it for almost every month for the last three years. And uh, I think we definitely can continue to push some very solid updates with the hardware. One very important thing to notice, it's not that, you know, uh, we were caught off guard with this whole thing that, you know, that Google, uh, the announcement that Google made about discontinuing the glasses last year. Um, we, 
you know, having previously seen how Google works with hardware, we did plan uh, for a contingency in place and, uh, you know, and so on. And all the features that we have on our product roadmap for this year and for the coming year have all been designed with, you know, the current hardware in mind. So if people buy a pair of Envision glasses today, they don't have to worry that, oh, in like six months time, these guys are going to stop pushing updates to it. That's not going to happen. Uh, we have been working, uh, we've been building the product roadmap around this hardware and we will continue to support this hardware much, much into the foreseeable future. There's a lot that we can do with just the existing hardware as it is. And uh, that's what we've been doing, you know, uh, for example. But, but of course, many people are, and you have said yourself, you know, you are looking at partnerships with other organizations. You said this last year, yeah. that you are looking at other uh, companies. Now, of course, <laughs> there are many new companies coming out with products all the time. Now, how good they are is another question. How yeah. suitable they are to to build Envision onto is another question. And maybe yeah. we can get into that a little bit. I mean, I'm wearing uh, right now a pair of Meta Ray-Ban glasses with a camera mm. in here, with audio, uh, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, if I could add Envision to this, if I could add Be My Eyes, if I could add Ira, this would be incredible, right? So, you know, is this kind of where you're heading? Are you watching and seeing where everything, where the pieces are falling? Or have you, in your mind, got a roadmap to where you want to get to? And do you see solutions today that could could get you there? Sure. You know, I think uh, there are three. Uh, Envision is going to change a lot in the coming year. That's one thing I can definitely tell you about. I think the Envision uh, that, you know, people are used to right now with the app, with the glasses, uh, you know, we're going to take all of the users that are using the app and the glasses at the, you know, at, the, at this very moment, uh, and then, you know, move them uh, to, I would say, or, or have them start, you know, evolve what they're using into something, uh, you know, I would say radically better and new, right? Uh, which doesn't mean that, you know, we're discontinuing anything or we're, you know, coming up with something new. We're just evolving the software quite radically. And I'll tell you how we're going to be doing that, right? Um, I think the three key things that we are working on right now to make us part, to, to, to be, to, to evolve Envision itself, right? Uh, one, we're working on making Envision a lot more, a uh, lot more conversational. I think over the past year, you know, we've been doing a lot of research and we have seen that, you know, the whole concept of having a UI uh, or an interface with buttons uh, just doesn't make any sense, at least for, you know, Envision's use case, right? Um, and we've been experimenting a lot with building a very simple conversational interface where you could ask questions and then the AI just knows what exactly to do and does it for you. And this stuff used to be science fiction. It still sounds like science fiction, but I can tell you that, you know, we are very close to having something like that actually in the hands of users. In fact, it's something that we're building internally and testing it with, uh, you know, a few users right now and uh, we'll have more to say about that around CSUN um, and when we have an interface like that it just becomes very straightforward you don't have to ever think of oh I need to click this button to start this feature or I need to like you know turn on this button to do like you know scanning for a face or this button to you know capture an image uh, to, to read what's on the image and so on that's one thing the second key aspect is Envision is also going to become a lot more personal right uh, to give you an example, I think uh, when a lot of our users, uh, you know, wish that 
Envision remembered some key aspects about them as they continue to use the software. Um, I think what that's one thing people will be able to do is personalize Envision by giving it personal information or by sharing it aspects of, of themselves that they want Envision to remember and also be able to give uh, Envision a personality, right? Uh, you know, give it a unique personality, maybe pick voices that are not part of the standard iOS Android list of voices that better suit, uh, you know, their, I, I know, um, their needs. And lastly, we're also going to have Envision available on all platforms. So right now we're there on iOS, we're there on Android, we're there on the glasses. Uh, you know, someone who's using the Envision glasses today will also be able to go ahead and use Envision on the web. And someone who's using the Envision glasses on a, on a phone will be able to use it, uh, you know, use Envision on the glasses and the web and desktop and pretty much any platform that comes out. Um, so from that perspective, we are definitely in talks with Meta, we're in talks with Apple, uh, we're in talks with, uh, you know, a couple of other companies as well, where uh, we're working with the teams at these companies, uh, we're working with the folks uh, in at Facebook's, uh, you know, own reality labs, we were, I, Still, you know, very, very early stages to talk about that, but we have very active partnerships going on with all the all the folks currently producing smart classes in any capacity. Uh, and we're going to have our software, uh, you know, we're going to be exploring what kind of a partnership we can have with them as well. And apart from that, uh, Envision Glasses as a product will continue to evolve with the existing hardware so people can, you know, very freely purchase what we have right now and expect it to work for the next five years. I think it's comforting to hear that the hardware is being supported and continued to be supported. Um, yeah. So for those of us who have the Envision glasses, that is something that's comforting. Uh, I think for people buying new, I guess there is always going to be a question mark. Now, of course, there's always a question mark, right? I mean, you go out and buy a new MacBook Pro, you think, well, should I wait for the M4 processor? Should I wait for the M5? You know, there's every, you know, you, there's the old joke of the guy who buys the computer and as soon as he gets in the car, he hears the ad in the radio for the upgraded one. You like, <laughs> oh, back to the store. So, you know, you have to pick your, your decision, you know, at some point. You have to make a decision at some point. But I, I do wonder, though, because obviously cost is a big element here. And, yeah. you know, Envision glasses cost a lot. And, you know, I'm wearing these Meta Ray-Bans. They cost me $300, right? So, I mean, you know, there is a difference here. Now, I guess there's a technical question that comes up. And that is because Envision glasses uh, are Google Glass. The software runs on the glasses. But Mm. these glasses don't run like that. These glasses essentially are operating via the phone. So is that a technical challenge for you that, that you haven't, you're not able to put that software on those glasses? Where are you with that? So I think um, I'm just trying to think of what would be an 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 a good analogy to describe this. See, the meta glasses are definitely very interesting, right? And smart glasses mm. today, as they are, are you know I would broadly divide them into three buckets, right? So there's the meta glasses, which really are nothing but a pair of glasses that have a camera on them, has a speaker on it, and is connected to the internet, and um, from what we know, these glasses are great, but if you're talking about using it day in and day out to read text, recognize faces, objects, and all those things, these glasses don't work that way right now. And they don't, they're not intended to work that way either. They're not meant to be a full-blown assistant simply because they don't have the capability of running things offline, right? Which is a huge requirement yeah. if you're going out and if you're, if you're just out and about, and uh, if you have to always be connected to the internet in order to access the assistant, that is not a great experience uh, to have, right? 
Um, it's more of a leisure experience with Meta, isn't it? Because, I mean, exactly. in America, you've got Meta AI, which has come out onto these glasses. It's not available outside of the US at the moment. Exactly. So I right. can't benefit from it. But, but you know, it, it, there, it is driven by the phone, not by the exactly. glasses themselves. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And, you know, you need to always have your phone on you. And even, even that device needs to be connected to the internet in order for you to actually yeah. be able to make use of the meta AI features and so on. And it's very simplistic. The AI assistant right now they have is quite simplistic. Uh, and my expectation is that meta is not going to, uh, you know, focus specifically on building tools that help you know, blind or low vision people, they're going to try and aim as broad as possible, right, with these tools. Um, The second category of tools are like the Apple Vision Pro kind of tools, which are really powerful, but then there's no way you can actually take them out and use it and it's not portable enough, right? Like you can't, uh, I've used the the Vision Pro extensively and uh, using it for more than 20 minutes gives me, uh, you know, like gives me a pain in the neck, you know, quite literally, right? Yeah, yeah. That's... That's basically where they are right now. So of course, those are really powerful, you know, computers. They're face computers, but then they're not enough. They're not easily portable. Uh, you can't wear them for extended periods of time. And the third category are devices like the Envision glasses. So the reason why we picked the Google Glass hardware is because one, we can run a lot of the AI on device. In fact, over the last couple of years, we've brought more than 80% of the features that are there on the Envision glasses to work completely offline on device so you can just go ahead wear them and not have to take out your phone and do stuff like that right so that's one big thing that we focused on second with the envision glasses you get portability you know you can wear them around all day without having to strain your neck and you know without having to carry a big battery bank that's attached to your back to the back of your you know uh, your hip or uh, and and so on right and uh, you get a long battery life you get about 5 hours of battery life on the envision glasses as against you know 2 hours uh, or 4 hours on the, on the meta glasses and 2 hours uh, on the apple vision pro for example right so from that perspective the hardware that we have today is definitely future proof because all these devices are going to take at least another two to three years to catch up to the current state of the hardware. Right. And uh, that the, the choice that we made around picking the Google glass hardware is very unique to the blind and low vision, you know, uh, audience that we are trying to serve. And, uh, Mm. and I think the features that we have planned for this year and the year after this, are all still going to, you know, be running on the Google Glass hardware itself. Just that, you know, you're, let's say you're scanning a document with the Envision glasses. Now you can scan them with the Envision glasses and then immediately, you know, go ahead and have it reflect on the Envision app on your phone and your desktop and be able to go ahead and, and, and use it there as well, right? We're just making sure that Envision is available on every platform possible on planet Earth. And so we're, we will probably have a version of Envision working on the, you know, uh, the the Meta glasses as well. Uh, we already have an Apple Vision Pro version of the Envision, you know, app. Uh, but then they're all very limited and they don't really match up to the Envision glasses, you know, as it is right now. Yeah. I've been playing around with Envision AI and Ask Envision, and, and it's been really interesting uh, because one of the things in the glasses especially that surprises me is mm-hmm. how responsive it is already. And it feels like this is, every time I get the, this update, I think, how are you getting so much out of this old hardware? I don't understand how you're doing so much with it. Because you know it feels to me as if that, that this is improving all the time on yeah. what should be 
old and, and essentially redundant hardware and that other <laughs> technology should be taking over by now. But it doesn't feel like the others, the others have kind of caught up at all. And actually, Google were onto something with these glasses. I, 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 do you feel you're limited or do you feel that you've got some, some headroom here? We definitely have a lot of headroom to play with with these glasses. See, I think it's a lot to do with how, and and you know, I'm I, I, this is uh, me being uh, you know less humble about it, but I can definitely tell you that it's a lot to do with how good the engineering team is at Envision. Because you're right, you know, this is 2019 hardware, uh, and we're building 2023 and 2020, 2024, 2025, 2026 on these on on this particular hardware essentially. So there's a lot of engineering that goes into making sure that we are constantly improving the glasses. And, um, you know, someone who bought the glasses in 2020, 2020, uh, all of a sudden, you know, if you look at, if you just look at the same device, the same hardware in 2023, it's unrecognizable. You know, people have told us that I pre-ordered up, uh, you know, one product and it looks like, it feels like as if I've got a, a new product every single year, but the, yeah. the hardware hasn't changed. It's just that you guys have really worked on the software. And I can tell you this year, it's going to feel like people have actually went ahead and purchased a completely new version of the glasses, uh, you know, despite them having the same hardware, right? Uh, we're going to radically change and improve the experience on the glasses uh, to near science fiction levels uh, with the same hardware. Right. And it's no exaggeration. We have early versions of this working. We're going to show versions of this at CSUN uh, as well. So um, it's, it's incredible how much more you know, headroom we have. And to be honest, a lot of the new hardware, they're all hype. Um, you know, and, and, you know, if you think about companies like Apple and Meta, they have big marketing teams that whose job is to basically make them sound a lot more bigger than what they are. Um, and uh, I think, you know, the current crop of Meta glasses and Apple Vision Pro and other glasses that are coming out, they have quite some some way to go before they can actually be useful for someone who's blind or low vision. You know, that's... Uh, that's I would certainly and, agree with you on the Apple Vision Pro front for sure, because, you know, that is, I would say, four generations away from being anywhere close to something we could buy and use. I mean, again, price point comes into it. Let's just be brutally honest about it. You know, yeah. the idea of going out and spending that kind of money for what that offers to blind people for maybe one or two apps that we could benefit from. Yeah. I just don't see it as value for money at this stage. So, it's you know, th that's not, where I'm at. Know? Yeah, that's where I'm at. Uh, so I want to ask you, because you say CSUN's coming up and you've got announcements coming up and, and that sounds brilliant. And um, uh, that, I can't wait to hear what you've got to, to show. Um, I want to ask you, though, uh, about uh, hardware uh, specifically, because, uh, you know, just on this point, you say you're in talks with other people. Are we likely to see, and I know you can't say anything about names or partnerships, I'm not expecting you to, but I do wonder, will we hear an announcement on hardware this year? Um, I, no comment on that at the moment. I would say okay. come to CSUN and find out. Um, okay. Uh, but one thing is for sure, Envision will be available on the desktop. Uh, we are building right now Envision on the web. Uh, which basically, you know, is is currently in uh, in in private beta at this point. Uh, there are like a few hundred users using the Envision uh, on the web. Um, with Envision on the web, people will be able to install it on Chrome, on Firefox, on Safari, and all the different browsers on all uh, you know uh, platforms like uh, Windows, Mac, or Linux. Uh, we're also working on plugins with popular screen readers. 
And essentially, you know, it's like you have the Envision always on on a web page. And if you want to get a quick summary of a web page, you can ask Envision, you know, to give you a summary of the web page. Or if there is a particularly annoying website which is completely inaccessible, or if you encounter an element that is completely inaccessible, or you want to read a captcha, for example, right? Um, those really pesky captchas that uh, that you know have oh, completely obfuscated. Yeah, yeah. all of that is something that you could do with Envision on the desktop. And, uh, you know, you can scan documents with it. You can use the Envision glasses and the Envision app along with the Envision desktop. And Envision is basically available everywhere you are, right? Is, uh, uh, is the hardware a bit of a noose around your neck in some ways? I mean, you know, you're a software company, right? As I was saying earlier, you guys are trying to, you know, really focus this conversation on software because that's what you do. And, yeah. you know, people like me continually ask you what's new in the hardware front, which you're not really in control of. Is that frustrating? Um, <laughs> Yeah, somewhat, but also not because like I said, right, there is a lot that we can get out of the current hardware itself. And uh, we have enough stock uh, in place to really meet the demands for this year uh, and the year after. And so I think in a, in a couple of years time, we probably will have a next generation hardware that we will move on to. But the current generation of hardware, we're looking to at least support for the next two to three years easily, right? Um, and, and what about subscriptions? Yeah, no, we started that from the 1st of January 2024. Um, we already have a lot of people uh, who have you know, purchased those uh, subscription updates as well. So it works in a very simple way, right? Now, um, whenever we launch a new feature, right? So whenever someone buys a pair of Envision glasses, uh, we always give them, you know, a year's worth of updates completely free of cost. All right. Um, so any new features that we push out in the first year of you using the Envision glasses, you will get that completely for free. So that's one thing. The second thing is that once you finish your first year with Envision, you will go ahead and, you know, you'll have an option of continuing to pay for new updates. And we don't ask you to pay per update. That's one of the big changes, you know, compared to competition. We don't say, okay, here's an update, pay a hundred bucks to get access to it. Right. You pay $200 per year for all the new features that we push. So any new feature, it could be, uh, you know, completely, you know, it, it could be a totally new feature. It could be an improvement over an existing feature, whatever it is, we go ahead and, you know, we offer all of that for $200 every year and you can choose to pay for it, uh, you know, for one year and, uh, you know, and, and choose not to pay for the next year. Right. So you're always right. in control of, you know, whether you want to pay for software updates that year or not. So we don't do a subscription thing. We just, you know, give people access to updates on a yearly basis and people can just choose to pay for it every year. Right. So we don't like put you on some kind of a subscription plan. So that's one thing. The second thing is that even if you choose not to pay for new updates, you will still get important maintenance and security updates and bug fixes and so on. Right. So that is something that you will continue to get and you'll get and you get to keep all the features you got in your first year of uh, using the Envision glasses. Right. So it's not like you're going to magically it, you're going to get hit with some paywall saying, oh, no, you have to pay for updates right now to get to use your features. You get to keep all the features you you have you've accumulated over the past year or how many ever years you paid for, uh, you know, if, if you're paying for annual updates. And you get to get all the bug fixes and, you know, security updates and maintenance updates that we push for existing features, um, regardless of whether you pay or not. Karthik, it's been great having you on the show. I really am glad you came back. I'm looking forward to CSUN for 
all the reasons I look forward to CSUN every year. But I'm really intrigued to see what you do with Envision this year. And, and I wish you all the success with it. Thank you so much. So there you go, Sean. Some interesting stuff going on there at the world of Envision. Lots to uh, look forward to at CSUN this year. We're not going to be at CSUN. That's kind of annoying, isn't it? I know. Are you listening, Mr. F? I want to go to CSUN. Is that okay? Yeah. Make uh, sure he knows about that. Yes, I will do. <laughs> not going to happen. Uh, listen, that is it for today. Thank you so much for uh, listening in, as always. Uh, don't forget, of course, you can check out YouTube. Brand new content coming your way today. In fact, right after this program airs. So go check it out right now. Like, comment. Please comment, because uh, we love your comments. And subscribe as well. And uh, oh. that gets the numbers up. It means well we done. can do more of them. Yeah, and ring that uh, bell, I think. Yeah, whatever that means. Uh, also, uh, tomorrow, we're going to be... Uh, revisiting Zero Project 2023 with some interesting conversations as uh, we head into the long weekend in Canada. No show on Monday, uh, but we'll be back on Tuesday, of course, from Zero Project. Very exciting stuff. Sean, thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.